this is gonna be the best book you ever read. Like, this is your new favorite book. Off the internet, man. I need to go be introverted. <laughs> Welcome to Books in the City Pod. <laughs> Welcome to Books in the City Pod. I'm Emily. I'm Kayla. I'm Becky. And I'm Libby. And we are four friends who met on the internet and bonded over books. And now we're in real life friends. And we're coming to you live with our wine and book recs. So tune in. Not quite live, but you know, <laughs> that's fine. <laughs> coming to you virtually. Yes. When it, wherever, whenever, wherever you tune in. So <laughs> yeah. Um, Why was that so funny? Oh my God. <laughs> Because it's late. <laughs> <laughs> well, um, tonight I think we're just going to jump. Well, maybe this morning, if you're listening in the morning. Mm-hmm. I don't know. It's technically but morning for us. <laughs> it uh-huh. is technically morning. <laughs> we are going to jump right into the fishbowl, I think. Literally, get on your oh scuba God. gear, kids, because here we go. I'm diving in. Taking a dive. Whoa. <laughs> so the fish want to know, what was your high school superlative and what would you give yourself? This is such a good one. <laughs> Why don't you go first, Becky? Because I see you brought Exhibit A. Yeah. Oh, my my yearbook um, <laughs> is right here next to me. And it is the proof that I did not get a superlative in high school. Justice oh. for Becky. Justice for <laughs> Becky. But I don't know what I would be. Because maybe it was correct that I didn't get one. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know in high school high school me I don't know me now what would I give myself um most bossy uh, no no that's kind of <laughs> that has a negative connotation I think you should be kinder to yeah. yourself how about head bitch in charge <laughs> yeah yes, I like that one okay, most we'll HBIC most HBIC. We say I'll this a lot, it. but Becky literally keeps this show running and she always feels like yeah. bad about it. We're like, no, we need someone to like tell us what to do. It would fall apart. I'm like, hey guys, sorry, but um just wondering. Hey guys, it's me, bossy. <laughs> the most likely to be a CEO. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, I was gonna say like most likely to achieve because of how like on top of things you are, like you keep us Thank going you. maybe we should say it for somebody for each other what what we think the superlative is oh, instead of fuzzy. giving it to ourselves oh cute i say most ceo yeah for you. i say most hbic thank you okay kayla what was yours i won best dressed Ooh. which i wanted it Humble you wanted it i wanted it since like lizzie mcguire didn't <laughs> get oh, it right. like i wanted to be best dressed like my whole life <laughs> And I honestly never thought it would happen because I went to a huge high school and I like knew like three people. Like I don't, no one knew me. I thought, and then I won it. But the one that I'm still to this day pissed that I didn't get is best hair. Wait, oh, <laughs> I thought I deserved no. best hair. Could you get multiple? Like you wanted to sweep? My sister won three. What? Whoa. Okay, wow. so see, this is a a little tidbit to my high school because my best friend was the editor of the yearbook, oh. so she was in charge of it. So it's cronyism. Whoa. So no, so um, Megan like <laughs> carried around the results because my neighbor tried to say that it was rigged for me to win, and she had like the uh. proof all day. But Whoa. when she was editor, she was like, "You can only win one." Like. 
that's what's fair. And I guess by the time my sister, four years later, was a senior, they didn't care. So she won three things. And that it was is like, nuts. And, like, it was such yeah. a joke. It's like my brother won one after me. And then we're like, oh, wow. like Aaron pressures on. You got to get something. And She's she like, no three. problem. Like, <laughs> yeah. Wow. So that's like one of our big like family jokes. People definitely won multiple in my school, too. Um, rude. I don't think you should be able to. Wait, like, Becky, when you say you were the only one who didn't get one, are you exaggerating? Like, OK, so the way my school did it was like there's the superlatives in the yearbook that like people, I guess, voted on. Mm-hmm. I don't really remember that. But then. At the assembly, they gave out, like, they made up new ones to give out to everyone. And I didn't even get that. That Oh, no. (laughs) Yeah. What the hell? (laughs) Yeah, and I'm looking here, and this one guy got, like, four. Damn. Bullshit. Okay, what would we give Kayla? (sighs) Ooh. I've got one for you that's top of my head today, and I feel like you're the biggest (laughs) switch. That was probably that true in high school too. <laughs> I think I don't, I don't know. know. It could be. In I the would made probably up still default to like best dressed, best style. Yeah. yeah. But also like most likely to pick up the phone if you call them in the middle of the night. Oh, <laughs> cute. That's nice. Kayla's like shrinking. <laughs> Kayla's like, no, like, I put earplugs like, in. Died. Like I get so Do scared. Like something bad happened. Yeah. Okay, I'll take <laughs> And best hair, obviously. Yeah. Thanks. Uh, duh. Oh my god. Why didn't we give her best, best hair? hair? Oh Sorry, gosh. she got snubbed again. Yeah, the one I wanted. Uh, it's not meant to be. Emily. Well, I actually don't think I have a high school yearbook. Like I didn't buy one. I wasn't into it. I don't know if it wasn't like a big thing at school, but I wasn't tapped in because you had to get it the year after. So like they, the sophomore yearbooks were distributed your junior year. And I was like, I don't give a shit. Uh, <laughs> oh, we actually only had a senior yearbook. Whoa. Oh. Same. I definitely had one for every year. I but f- so then it made the things of like people signing it or all that. Like you couldn't. It was different because you'd have to come back after the summer and then comment. So on when did seniors over get the it? summer? You had to go back it, to the school. It took school. like a month or so. Yeah. After. And I was like, I'm not coming back to this shithole. Like, <laughs> so I don't know. And I was probably in it because I was in. There's probably <laughs> some embarrassing pictures of me from musicals and stuff. But I did get a superlative in college because I was part of a co-ed business <laughs> fraternity. Oh. I was voted the quirkiest which is like, I was like, ow, but okay. Like, it could be a compliment or not a compliment. Um, <laughs> I think it fits. Well, the I one I would compliment. give you is one that my sister won, and we think it's the coolest one, and it's most unique. Yeah, I feel like. Because oh. I don't know anyone like you, and I think that's a uh, good thing. Yeah. I'll take Quirkiest it. has, like, annoying connotations, but unique is a better right. way. Yeah, like... Right. It's like quirky feels rude. Like they wanted to call me weird. No. But then, yeah. But it fits because I don't know if you clocked that, but I was in a co-ed business fraternity and I'm a biology major. So. Yeah, yeah. That makes sense. I was going to say, who knew you were a frat guy? You were just a bro <laughs> all <Right>. along. and <laughs> meet some of the guys. <laughs> right. No, Infiltrate. Yeah. Most. Um, <laughs> it's a, it was a fun club. I feel it like most one of a kind. Aw. 
special I, snowflake. I agree. Uh, <laughs> I would give myself the most likely to be late. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> I didn't want to say it. <laughs> That's another one you could win. I was actually, it's okay because I feel like I was listening to an interview with Phoebe Waller-Bridge who wrote Fleabag, one of my favorite TV shows, and they kept prompting her with questions. And they were like, most likely to, what's a question most people ask you? And she goes, are you up yet? Oh, <laughs> I feel like resonates with me. That's same with like, um, you always hear about Rihanna, like working in the studio till 4 a.m. And I feel like that's you too, you know? Successful people. I'm a night don't owl. Sleep. Toot toot. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Fun fact, me and Rihanna share a birthday. Also knew wow. that. Yeah. Wow. Coming up. Um, me just like dropping when my birthday is constantly. Yeah. <laughs> the entire month of February, Becky. It's just so Wait, when this comes out, it'll, it'll have just passed. Shit. Yeah. We didn't say on the last episode. Well, we have to shout it out on this <laughs> one. Oh, shit. Oh, my God. Oh, we God. didn't think about that. Becky's superlative is most uh, birthday. Most <laughs> <laughs> birthday. It's the birthday girl. Most happiest she's, birthday. She's most the most birthday. bored. <laughs> what does that uh, even mean? Very merry on birthday to you. <laughs> oh, shoot. Whoops, well, look anyway. at what happens when we forget because Becky doesn't remind us. Oh, <laughs> we're also, we should, it's like it's 12 50 a.m. Like we're recording in the middle of the night. Uh, Libby, what's your yeah. superlative? Um, in high school, I got best smile. That's a oh, good one. That's a so cute one. Why are you uh, saying that with a frown? That doesn't even make sense because <laughs> it's like. I'm not a it's just like okay thanks or like you know <laughs> I don't I don't know um but it was funny my mom was really angry because the picture in the yearbook is like me and the the dude who won it just making like terrible faces so she was like would it kill you to take a nice <laughs> photo which would you give yourself uh ugh, I want to be like class clown you know, but I don't think I'm like outspoken or like outgoing <laughs> enough for the class clown role. Well, what would we give her? I would give you this is it sounds weird to say like this, but like most well read. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Because I feel like you'd cover like everything. That's true. Mm. Yeah. I was thinking something like most indie like you always pull oh, these yeah. things <laughs> i haven't heard of like sometimes like musical artists or like most hipster like <laughs> fast no, runner hipster, it's different i would say this isn't i can't figure out the like sentence of most likely to or best whatever but like you're the oh my god <laughs> is it an insult figure it out <laughs> oh. I would never. Most shittiest. Imagine you <laughs> just hate you. It smells the worst. worst. My least favorite. No. Most grammatically um. incorrect. I was going to say like, a not a chameleon, but kind of like, you're like an onion. Like oh, I always find out something. <laughs> yeah. I always find out something new. Oh my God. Should we call the most Most Ooh, <laughs> The most layered. The honorary Shrek oh. award goes to. Okay, but do you guys know what I yes, mean? Yes, like, and I agree with you. Yeah. yeah, and you casually drop these things in. You're like, I also this. <laughs> and we're like, oh. We've known you for so long, yet we're still learning something new about you all the time. Mm -hmm. Like, we're obviously always learning something new about each other, but, like, you specifically, I feel like I, I like, find out something else. I'm like, <laughs> oh, what? Oh, 
Yeah. You know what I mean? Okay, yeah, I'll take it. I'm just hiding it all. <laughs> hiding it all behind my best smile. Oh. <laughs> Class clown. Yeah, that was a solid <laughs> joke. You're up there Thanks, with guys. The, the Seth Rogen <laughs> level. Oh. Oh. She'll yeah. be here all week. Anyway. No shit. Oh, that was fun. Should we talk about books? We should. Oh, wait, I'm first, right? You know oh, yeah. yeah, you yes, are. Birthday girl, oh birthday birthday. I got excited three <laughs> times over this. Um, okay, so I'm talking about We Can Only Save Ourselves by Allison Wisdom. It came out February 2nd, 2021. So right off the bat, I have to say content warning. It's like a culty Ooh. book um, about essentially like a kidnapping. So it's oh, uh, oh it's God. unsettling. And you texted me right away that I was like... <laughs> I was like seven pages in and I was like, Kayla, you'd love this. Um, So I will be talking kind of about those aspects, obviously, because that's what the book is about. But the thing, the big content warning I want to say for if you pick it up is there's a really graphic animal cruelty scene that's that was like extremely difficult to read. So maybe skip if that's something that's like really going to make you upset, which it will make everybody upset. Um, oh. I'm not going to talk about that though. Like in, I'm not going to describe it or anything. I just wanted to like let you know that it's there because I didn't know it was there and it was tragic. Um, there's also an off the page death of a parent. Okay. So we can only save ourselves is about Alice Lang. She's the most popular girl in school. Everyone loves her. All the moms in the neighborhood love her. Everyone wants to date her or be her friend. Yada, yada, yada. So her superlative was most popular. Oh, 100%. Yeah. So one day, Alice, she's sitting on her front porch swing. She's reading like a book for school. And this strange man who's never been seen in the neighborhood walks down the street, sees her and is like, can I take your photo? And she's like, yeah. Wait, is this current time? No. So I really have no idea. I don't remember seeing where they said, but there's not a cell phone ever mentioned. They talk about flashlights. Um like the phone bill not being paid so the phone in the house isn't ringing type thing so i think it's like the 80s okay wait also do you know where it is yes it's in i haven't gotten there yet but it's like california there's mention of the ocean and there's mention of um the desert so i think california so alice she's on the porch swing the guy says well can i take your photo and she's like yes no Mm -mm. (laughs) (laughs) i know then she's like when will i see the photo and He's like, oh, don't worry about it. I'll get it to you. And then just like wanders off. So he leaves and he stays on Alice's mind. She's like, there's something different about him. She's like just drawn to him. And she's just like kind of wondering, am I ever going to see him again? So Alice is definitely going to be homecoming queen at school. Everyone says so. Alice is just like, but she just like doesn't care. She's like lost interest. In the first few chapters, so this felt really nostalgic. This is like the perfect thing to talk about on this episode. Um, it felt so nostalgic to high school to me. This specific scene, they're like describing sitting at a bonfire in someone's backyard in this like town that seems so small where everyone knows each other. Like I said before, it takes place on the West Coast, but like the vibe of the small town felt a lot like what my small town was like. And it, and it really helped to suck me into the book. So Alice, she's at the bonfire. And they're all discussing the fact that she's going to be homecoming queen. And she's like feeling very stagnant. And she's like, let's go break into the school and count the votes. Like, why not? They they had been drinking 
etc. So they go. And not only do they go and count the votes, but they commit like this major act of vandalism on the way out. So this is really like Alice starting to show that she's not the Alice that everyone knows and that all the moms in town love. So the night of homecoming arrives and Alice disappears and her friends are wondering where she went. Her mother, who's widowed, is like beside herself. The whole town is up in arms looking for her. Um, And it turns out that Alice has joined Wesley, that's the man, who took her photo. And is just like, oh, goes wherever he wants her to go. Oh, no. Um, and she's kind of just like doesn't really, she's just so intrigued by him that she doesn't really care where. So Wesley is like, um, I have in my notes, he's a major weirdo creep. <laughs> that's his superlative. Most that's weirdo superlative. creep. <laughs> so he believes that the whole world is asleep and... That oh, no. the that him and like the people that he has with him are the only ones oh. who are awake. And when everyone wakes up, there's going to be like violence and destruction and explosions and fires. And he thinks it's his responsibility to help wake up the world. So he takes Alice to join him in this bungalow that he lives in with four other young women. Oh, and no. They all kind of just like sit around and do drugs. They like dumpster dive for food. The lights like turn off all the time. It's like Manson vibes. Yes, but like no all at once. So you have to read it to get it. But he's just like v- like vaguely creepy, but also not vaguely creepy all at once. I, I It's hard to explain. It's all around a bad situation though. And But Alice willingly stays. At first, they're just kind of like hanging out, enjoying you know Wesley talking and doing his weird things and playing music and you know sitting around and like taking pills and seeing things and all of that but then things start to get weirder and weirder and more intense and that's all I'm gonna say about like the bungalow and plot but an interesting aspect of this book is that it's told kind of by like this anonymous busybody mom in the neighborhood that's so interesting Yes. So you get a look into what's happening at the bungalow and there's like little asides in there, kind of like um, plain bad heroines, but in like parentheses. And it's like Alice knew she shouldn't get in the car with a stranger. We told her, didn't we? Like stuff like that where it's like, oh, we we thought Alice like this, this and this, like just like perspectives on what's happening at the bungalow from people that have known her her whole life. Ah, that's very virgin suicides, actually. Yeah, this book was described as The Virgin Suicides Meets the Girls by oh. Emma Klein. Oh. And I could I could definitely see the girls kind of vibe in there. So it also gives you a look into like what was happening back home while Alice was missing and like were they looking for her? When did they stop looking for her? What was her mom doing? What were her friends doing? So that was an interesting thing. Um it's definitely a bit of a slow burn. It's not like it sounds like it's a thriller, but it's not quite a thriller it's got the thriller aspects but it's like slower but I really really liked it it's definitely super good it's kind of heavy so it's not like I said it's slower it's not the fastest book I had to put it down here and there because I was like oof this is a lot but super good four stars nice wow maybe like a psychological suspense is that a thing yeah I would say that just kind of like a dark culty book (laughs) Mm, I'm in. Yeah. And that was We Can Only Save Ourselves by Alice in Wisdom. Oh, I can't wait to read that. It has a really good cover, too. Yeah. Libby, what did you read? I read 
Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett, which came out in June 2019. Content warning for this one. Uh, Again, I'm not going to talk too much about this, but if you're thinking of picking it up, there is uh, suicide, loss of a parent, grieving, and a lot of gore. Oh. Yeah. This is, I feel like I wasn't quite sure what this book was about before I picked it up and those content warnings like it I don't know I follow this author on Twitter and she's like very funny very like deadpan sarcastic humor so I expected a a funny book and it was it was funny but it also deals with this kind of thing so (laughs) this book was very gross and like messy and I hope (laughs) I definitely haven't read anything like it before and I hope like the way that I talk about it still makes people want to read it because I loved the read but at the same time it was like disgusting made me want to like take a shower or like crawl out of my skin at times which I thought was like a really skillful thing for the author to pull off. The main character is Jessa Lynn Morton. She's a 30-something year old living in Florida and she has recently had to take over the family taxidermy business because she was actually she was the one to find her father in the taxidermy shop after he had committed suicide her Jessa and her dad had a really special close relationship she has a younger brother named Milo but Growing up, she was always the one who, like, took to taxidermy more. Her brother was more squeamish and, like, just a gentler soul. And he was more in touch with his emotions and feelings. And neither Jessa nor their dad, like, knew what to do with an emotional boy. So there was definitely, like, some favoritism for Jessa over Milo growing up, both, like, in the taxidermy shop and just in general. And this entire family has, like, serious issues beyond this kind of like complex that Milo has about like his dad loving his sister more and stuff like that. Jessa was sleeping with her brother's wife for basically their entire marriage. So like when I say when I say that it's Jessa not that it's like messy, it's like messy the family like there is just a lot. There's a lot of these flashbacks to the Morton kids childhood and growing up with their taxidermist father and all of that but there was also a lot of reflection on their tight little like gang of three so Jessa and Milo I already said her brother and sister and then Jessa's best friend growing up is Bryn. Bryn is described as this like beautiful fun charismatic character and Jess is like fully completely in love with her like since childhood they're like best friends growing up but it develops into something more intense and sexual but milo is also always around and the three of them are like all going through puberty at the same time and it becomes clear that like milo and Bryn are kind of developing maybe feelings for each other but jess is like but me and Bryn are in love it's like it's a mess and then it turns out Bryn you know whatever we don't ever get like Bryn's perspective so it's hard to say like what she was going through but she ends up marrying Milo but continuing this relationship with Jessa so oh wow this is also all like really in the first 
I less than 20 pages. Wow. Um, so it sounds like I'm. Oh, that felt oh, like wow. a plot twist to me the way you described oh, it. I was like, <gasps> no, no, no. It sounds like I'm, yeah, probably ruining it. But no, this is like, it's early. Anyway, around the same time that this tragedy happens with the Morton dad, Bryn also just up and leaves uh, Milo and Jessa and then her two children also. So. The whole book is kind of marked by like this absence of the father and this absence of Bryn and, you know, these two like huge figures in the entire family's lives. And no one in the family is processing their grief or anger or like anything that they're feeling about any of it. Like they're just all like, <laughs> we're going to bury it and we're going to keep going to do taxidermy and we're not going to talk about it and it's going to be great. So that's obviously like adds a lot of stress to everything. And then on top of all of this, Jessa and Milo's mom seems to be coping with her grief by rediscovering a love for art, which is great. But her art is this hypersexualized taxidermy art. She's like staging sex scenes with the taxidermy what? that their father made. And like, I won't get too specific or graphic, but like some of the image was like sex toys on a taxidermied alligator or something like that. So it's like wild. Becky's and, clutching her pearls. I know, Becky. <laughs> Take a breath, Becky. I clutched my pearls. Um, <laughs> so Jess is like dealing with just like so much chaos. This is all just very chaotic while she's not processing anything that any of it is making her feel, which adds to the messiness because she's definitely a character who tends to just like work herself to exhaustion because the you know the shop is like kind of struggling financially after the dad has died and so she'll be in there like all day and all night and then she'll go home to her apartment in August in Florida that does not have air conditioning and she'll drink a six pack of beer before she that's the scariest part of this book she passes out I know so it's like it's gross on so many oh, no. levels because like anytime you're in Jess's apartment, you're just like, oh my God, I can feel the swampy, terrible yeah, like, like humidity. Yeah, like the walls are sweating and she is just drinking beer and getting blackout drunk and this is not good for anyone involved. And then like another level of the grossness is all of this reflection on taxidermy, which I didn't grow up in a huge like hunting family or anything, but apparently this is a huge part of Florida culture, taxidermy everywhere. But you would get these descriptions of like, you know, the dad like teaching his children, like, here's where you cut and like, here's a bucket for the guts. And here's like where we're going to save spare parts that we could use on other pieces. And it's like you just get like kind of a vivid look into taxidermy, which was cool because I haven't seen that, but also very gross because it's, you know, like dead animals being stuffed. It's a lot. I uh, I have in my notes, don't recommend reading this while you're eating. Like that's oh, wow. <laughs> like it's gross, but it's such a, I thought it was such an interesting and good look. Again, I mean, last week I talked about like grief as well, but just a look at like the grieving process from a very different perspective of a family who is, you know, like really not processing their feelings at all and how that can kind of explode in unexpected ways. And it definitely does in this book. I was like extremely in love with every character. 
because they were all very flawed and like because they wouldn't <laughs> talk about anything that they were feeling and like deal with their shit until they had to. Because I just felt like it was, I don't know, everyone deals with grief differently. And I think this was probably like a pretty realistic depiction of how it would maybe be handled in a more repressed family, if that makes sense. It was so good. Sup- like super queer too. I feel like the Bryn and Jessa thing is just part of it, but Jess is a lesbian and it's that's a huge part of it too. And yeah, it was so good. It was so yeah. good. Four stars. Also great cover because it's like green and pink, right? Yeah, green and pink, a big flamingo on the cover. I hope that it like nobody only takes away that this is a gross book. Like it's good because it's gross too. It's just like atmospheric and like good. Does he taxidermy flamingos? No. Can you taxidermy a flamingo? You can apparently taxidermy anything after reading anything, this book. Probably. I was sh- taken aback. Wow. I was shocked. <laughs> Do you guys remember that viral video of the Ojai Valley taxidermy? Was it like re- bad taxidermy? Yeah. No. It was like a commercial. Never mind. Ooh, <laughs> nobody wants bad taxidermy. You- Are they? Do you think they're doing good taxidermy? No, they do. They do good work. Uh, that's like a point of pride for okay. everyone involved in the shop. But there was a book I remember that came out that was like bad taxidermy, and it's like terribly done <laughs> taxidermy. Yeah, I think I've seen that on the internet. Yeah, it's like a funny spoofy book. Another thing that I took away from this book, and I think like people who aren't maybe familiar with taxidermy could also take away, which I'm not familiar. I'm like in that category. But Kristen Arnett, the author, does a really great job of like describing it like an art, which it is like to make taxidermy look good. And like, I don't know, she she gets into like the nuances of like how the eyelid has to sit just right. And like the extra considerations for like putting a big piece in a truck and driving it in the Florida summer without having it all melt everywhere. Like it's, Ooh. it's just a very, like, I kind of wish I read this by the beach just with the like heat that you just feel coming from the book mm. constantly. But yeah, it was, it was really, really good. And I'm excited. She has uh, another book, I think coming this summer, Kristen Arnett does. And she's a very funny Twitter follow. So if you have Twitter, but this is, um, her debut, and it was Mostly Dead Things by Kristen Arnett. Kayla, what did you read? I read Bear Town by Frederick, Frederick Bachman. This came out in 2016. Quick content warning. The book is about a sexual assault and the aftermath. I'm not going to get into details of the assault, but in the show notes, the times are linked if you want to skip ahead. Okay, this book. I have been avoiding this book for like four years fun unknown fact I guess I really love hockey and that's what this book is also about so I was immediately drawn to it for that reason but I just held off for literally like five years because it's so beloved and there's so much hype and like I've seen so many people say this is their favorite book and that like scares me but I I finally did it because one of my resolutions is to start reading books I've owned for over a year so This book was translated from Swedish and Beartown is a small town in the woods of Sweden. It's surrounded by like a giant forest and the forest is kind of part of the book. But more importantly, it's a hockey town. Everything in this town revolves around hockey and the town's fate is currently riding on the success of the junior hockey team. 
I think for Americans, the town gave me like the show Friday Night Lights vibe, like with how Americans get about football, but with hockey. Mm. So you bounce back between a ton of perspectives, but there's this quote on the cover that says that this book is like an accurate portrayal of the human experience. And when I first read that, I was like, that's such an interesting thing to say. But then halfway through, I was like, wow, that quote was like really right. <laughs> like that was like, really something up great on the cover. Yeah. Okay. So the first half of the book is in the lead up to the semifinal that the junior hockey team will be playing in. And there's a team above the junior hockey team. So it's like kind of a big deal that like the A team isn't the one going to the final, but all these players on the team like still have a few years in the program. And when I say that everything in this town is riding on this game, like if they can win the final, then they'll get more sponsors and the town will get, they'll build a hockey academy in the town and they'll be able to build like a new shopping center and more jobs for people because as the hockey club went down, like factories are shutting down and like people are losing their jobs. So like everything revolves around hockey here. Literally until page 110, it's the lead up to the semifinal. And that's when you're being introduced to all of the characters and like learning. They all have like such different backgrounds. And then after the semifinal that night, there's a sexual assault that ends up completely rocking the town and the second half of the book is about the aftermath of that and how it affects the town and how things like hockey culture and locker room talk and that all comes into play so it's honestly really hard to like fully explain what this book was like even as I was reading it I was like I don't know how I would even write a review for this it's one of those where you really just need to experience it but I, I'm just going to go through some of the characters because it was so interesting because each chapter you'd hop between multiple perspectives. So it wasn't like each character had their own chapter and they were all so different, but it was so interesting to go through these same like big experiences with them and they were having, they were experiencing it all so differently. I'm not going to go through all of them though because there was like a ton of perspectives, but the first one is Kevin and his family. So Kevin grew up in Beartown. He was a star player. He made it to, to the NHL and now he's back from Canada with his family and he's the general manager of the Beartown Hockey Club and he's married to Kira who's a lawyer and that's like a whole thing because she's not like a hockey mom. She has a career and they have a daughter Maya who's not interested in hockey at all. She's a very talented musician and she's best friends with this girl Anna who pretty much lives in their house and she's Anna's obsessed with hockey. It was really interesting in their perspectives, like growing up where everyone's obsessed with something that for Maya, she doesn't care about. She's like, what's the big deal? Like, I can't wait to get out of here. Like, who cares about hockey? And then Anna is obsessed with it. And there was this one line I was like, this is so true. She was like, a girl can't say they're obsessed with hockey because then the guy will be like, well, how many goals did Sidney Crosby score like in this game and who won the Stanley Cup in 84 and like all these like crazy stats that like the guy himself probably doesn't even know. But because she's a girl, like she can't be passionate about it. It's like name five albums. by Yes. Yeah, yeah. that was exactly (laughs) what I thought of. And they're 15 and like the mom Kira always says to her, like, you never have a friend like you do at 15. Like you can be friends with the same that person all through your life but the friendship is never the same as it was at that age and I thought that was just like so relatable 
and they were that family was like my favorite characters and they have a different take on everything because they left Beartown and they were in Canada for a while so coming back to the small town it's kind of like they got their horizons were expanded <laughs> okay wait, before I move on I just realized I kept saying Kevin and that guy's name was <laughs> Peter the dad who <laughs> was the general manager um sorry okay so then there's the actual kevin <laughs> the real the kevin, real kevin. Well, the real kevin please stand up they actually <laughs> had very similar experiences because kevin is the new star of barrytown football he's from a super wealthy family who put literally everything into his hockey career it's very obvious that he's going to be successful and play in the nhl and then there's benji who was my favorite character I loved him so much him and Kevin have been best friends their whole lives and he comes from a bit of like a troubled background and his mom kind of describes him as like your typical heartbreaker because he's very good looking and girls feel like they want to like fix him but like (laughs) you can't speaking to you Kayla yeah that's why I loved him (laughs) but he really like he's a very very loyal friend and like on the ice he goes after anyone who comes Kevin's way and he's like a fighter during games which might also be why I liked him and yeah he he was just like a great like very complex character his storyline really surprised me and it was my favorite to read then there's Amit who is him and his mom immigrated they're not specific but I think from the Middle East and he's on the team below the juniors he's smaller than all the other players so he's constantly working even harder and he kind of sees well he loves playing hockey but he sees it as a way to like help his mom have a better life because she now works as a cleaner at the rink and she does that because she likes to be able to watch him practice and he gets to go to the rink early and get like extra ice time that's all I'm going to say for the characters there were a ton more but I just thought this was such an interesting read at any time but in this current climate because there's been like a bit of a of a reckoning with hockey culture not enough because like nothing is changing but people are finally talking about how there's like so many issues with racism and sexism and like listening to these teenage boys in the locker room talk you know that they talk the same way as adults and then with what happens in this book like it's 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 hard to read and it's like it's upsetting that this honest it's the way that things are but the end of the book like I had this like hopeful feeling and it just made me think about so many different aspects of life and I can't stop thinking about it still like it really just made you like reflect on everything and yeah it was my first Bachman I would read more there is a sequel that I'm gonna read because Benji is one of the main characters and I I love him (laughs) and there's also a show coming to HBO I think the week this episode drops the first episode dropped so Oh, I'm, I'm not sure if I'll watch. I was going to ask because as you were describing this, I was like imagining a Matt Damon movie <laughs> version Damon. of it. Oh, for some reason, like specifically. Well, I, think, I think they're planning to record the show in Sweden. So the show, I think, is already out over there and it's going to be I, I don't know if we'll have to have subtitles, but it's coming to HBO Max on February 22nd oh, okay. with weekly episodes which I thought was interesting and it does not include that <laughs> can he speak Swedish no <laughs> <laughs> you can imagine him as you read the book if you want is it and maybe you can't answer this but is the sexual assault like 
not mystery, but like you're not sure who's involved or something, or it's like trying to get to the bottom of. So for the first half, it was interesting the way it was written because like something like the locker room talk, for example, and then one of the perspectives is their coach David, and it'll say like David would think back on this mm. moment after, like it's they're referencing that something happened, and you know what it is because at the back of the book, but then when it the assault takes place you are in the perspectives like you know who it is and who did it and then the rest of the book like everyone finds out and like everything erupts but also obviously it talks about hockey a lot because it this is a book about hockey but you don't need to know anything about hockey to read it like I'm not an expert I just enjoy watching it and I was easily able to follow everything but being a hockey fan made it like a bit more fun and yeah, it was a five-star read, and that was Bear Town by Frederick Bachman. Nice. Emily? I read something also wintry-ish in Europe. I read a book called The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden, and it came out in 2017. So recently we had some like beautiful picturesque snow in New York City where it's kind of like sitting on the trees and it's big fluffy snowflakes and like I felt like I was in a postcard (laughs) and I like walked around and felt like I was in a winter wonderland and I'm always reminded of Narnia when I walk in a climate like that because we have lampposts all over my campus so then I realized I was in the mood for like a fantasy wintry book to kind of match that feeling And I asked the internet and the internet delivered the perfect pick because I'm about to talk to you about a book that's not only set in winter, but features like a sassy, adventurous protagonist type. Think like Joe March. Oh. In an amazing atmosphere and Russian fairy tales. And you know how I feel about Russian literature. Um, I enjoy it. So, do you? The book is. <laughs> Did you just wink? <laughs> that little aha noise was her vocalizing a wink. Because you're wondering. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, so it's set in the 14th century in Russia, so like the medieval times of Russia, and it was interesting to Google some of the history around this because. This wasn't a full-on country. It was still partially conquered by the Khans, as in, like, descendants of Genghis Khan, ruled by a lot of fiefdoms and governed by Orthodox Christianity. So while this new version of Christianity is taking over, there are still some places where old religions are held on to. So people who believe in the gods of, like, the hearth and the forest. And when the wind is blowing in the middle of the russian winter people think it's really this frost demon called Mrozgo, and some people are even gifted enough to speak with these creatures including our main girl vasya she's a very like i'll do what i want kind of girl like we follow her when her mother's pregnant with her into her like six-year-old self and then into her young adolescence Um, And she's always, like, running wild and free, frolicking in the forest, and doesn't want to be tied down by kind of, like, the traditional gender roles that 
the world would have predestined for her. Her choices were to be like a submissive housewife or go to like a nunnery. So she's not about any of that. We follow her throughout her journey and how people kind of deal with this weird child (laughs) frolicking about in the woods, speaking to corners, talking to things that aren't there. That skill of speaking with the old fairy tale creatures starts to set her apart from and kind of make her dangerous and initiates a quest for her to kind of protect her home and her village from these things that most people think are only in nursery rhymes. So there are some, I looked up some of the things that were mentioned, like some of the folklore that was mentioned, and they're pretty like traditional creatures. Like there's a little gnome called the Domovoy who like protects your hearth and does like the sewing for you. And he's like kind of a <laughs> gremlin. And then there's a Rusalka, which is kind like of a, a gremlin mermaid. and just fun stuff like that so I always love an enchanted woodland setting I think there's something really appealing about a deep forest like humans seem to be really afraid of like what's hidden in the trees and like this idea of being scared by nature and needing an explanation for it especially when you're living like in rough times and so much of your life survival depends on staying warm. Reading the author's note also was fun because the author describes how she has a background in Russian literature and the inspiration to make Vasya like the type of character she is comes from the author Arden comparing like contemporary Western folk lore to the Russian version of it and it was her opinion that the western princesses or like fairy tales were very submissive like Cinderella, Sleeping Beauty, like they're just kind of waiting to be rescued and she was finding that a lot of the young maidens were very like active in the folklore like they were going out into the wilderness, they were like strong, Um, there were more like female villains even in the catalog of fairy tales and I thought that was really fun. And this book does play into a lot of fairy tale tropes. Like there's an evil stepmother, kind of like the chosen one, the fair maiden, the like adventurous one. And it was just like, it made my heart kind of happy because it reminds me of the type of story that baby Emily would have really enjoyed. This thing that you pass along through generations, like again, speaking with family and having that like cherished story like all the children ask the nurse like tell us about this fairy tale and then they had heard it so many times that they kept correcting it which is something I used to do with my grandpa (laughs) I'd be like you got it wrong (laughs) because he was just making it up on the fly and it's a very like slow burn but feels very magical I will say like the action doesn't really happen till the very end But for me, it was so much about the setting and this, it almost took on like a horror movie type quality of like, what's in the woods? There are like wolves lurking and like hidden dark forces hidden behind the trees. And it was really a good place to leave off. And it's actually a trilogy. And I wanted to pick up like the next book right away. It also gave me like horse girl vibes (laughs) and kind of um, like... If you read it, like, you'll know 
why, but it made me kind of like regret not getting to know the horses <laughs> in my life better. Wow. The horses? The horses <laughs> or the horse girls? The horses. I wanna, she wanted to be a horse girl. I Maybe I missed my opportunity to be it's a horse girl. It's never too girl. late. Yeah, it's not. Uh, and I looked on Goodreads. It looks like Nicole, our illustrator, read the whole series and gave it five stars. So. Wow. She's the toughest, cri- toughest critic I know. Right? So it seems promising and I really enjoyed it. And I too would give it like a five star. I was itching to pick it up while I had a busy work week. I was like, I just want to go home and read my books. So that was The Bear and the Nightingale by Catherine Arden. What are you going to pick up next? I am going to pick up the sequel, which is called The Girl in the Tower, and just continue on with the trilogy is called the Winter Night Trilogy. So I'll probably finish that. Nice. Uh, Becky, what about you? I'm going to read The Mask of Mirrors by M.A. Carrick. Ooh, fantasy. Libby. What are you going to yeah. read next? I'm going to read Godshot by Chelsea Beaker. Awesome cover. Oh, such a good cover. Kayla. Colt, right? Gold. It's just like gold glitter. It looks oh. good always. Emily, did you say cults? I did, but then I thought it would play it played off. Golden cults. <laughs> I, I have no idea what it's about. Lately, I'm just not reading descriptions of books, and I like it. <laughs> That's fun. Uh, Kayla, what are you reading next? I'm going to read Homegoing <gasps> by Yagi Ozzy. Oh, I love I'm that excited. Book. It's so good. Oh Yay. my god. Emily, cool. where where are you on the interwebs? Where <laughs> we where can we find the cozy um uh, Narnia vibes? Yeah, Narnia vibes. <laughs> the Narnia vibes are living on at the Lazy Library. Libby? I'm at Sleep Run Read Repeat. I'm at Becky in the bookshelves. I'm at K Red Watt, and you can find all of us at Books in the City Pod. Make sure you're using our hashtag, My Books in the City, whenever you're posting it's something we inspired you to read or with our merch. Please make sure you're following, subscribe, whatever you have to do on whatever podcast platform you're listening on. Leave us a reading or a review. It's a free way to support us. Follow us on Twitter at BATCpod. Join the fan club. I forgot that one last episode. Basically, just go to our website, booksandcitypod.com for everything. Yes. And if you've made it this far, comment and let us know what your superlative would be. Or was. We want to know. And that's on the Instagram post for this episode. And thank you to our Carrie Level producers, Diane Worth, Riley Harrell, Carrie Kissinger, Brenna Collins, Amanda Borgia, Elizabeth Jamka, and Susie Southwick. Yay. Thank you for listening. Thank you. Bye. Love you.